Hello and welcome everyone. I'm Brandon Ward, a co-host on The Inner Entrepreneur. This is our inaugural episode. Paul and I are going to dive into our backgrounds, the story of how the podcast came to be, and where we're going to be headed in this journey together. Him and I are both mindful addicts, if you will. We love meditation. We love the thoughtfulness, journaling. All of these things have made a big impact in our lives, particularly as entrepreneurs. And so for us, we wanted to build a podcast that was focused for entrepreneurs, but mastering the inner game. There are lots of podcasts out there that talk about the specifics of building and growing businesses that detail the dynamics and operational components of business. But very few of those podcasts nurture the inner components of being an entrepreneur, the struggles, the emotions, all the things that come with a work-life balance and the dynamic of being a successful entrepreneur. Our aim and objective is to provide you with valuable content, insightful actions, and guidance along that journey of entrepreneurship so that you may sustain your journey as a successful entrepreneur and build the vision of your life that you see. So I hope you enjoy this first episode. We've got a couple more coming today as well, and then we're going to be publishing weekly episodes after that. So with that being said, let's get into it. Welcome to The Inner Entrepreneur, a place where soul meets strategy and passion meets profit. Success in business is about more than mastering the external. It's an internal game. Ready to play? We, you and I met via Twitter. We are content creators on Twitter and we joined uh, a, a coaching pod together. You were invited by your friend. So we didn't know each other prior to that coaching pod. We joined a, a we were in a pod, positive intelligence coaching program. Um, which we learned a lot together. And I think it was a great experience. We had a cool little pod. We, we talked about all the things that we were learning about. And, and in that time, we built a bit, of, bit of a relationship together. And in that time together, I learned that you are an entrepreneur, that you've been running a business for a couple of decades now, right? Three decades. So three decades, there you go. But as a individuals, you and I were both kind of on the same wavelength around mentoring. I'm in the... I've been drawn to entrepreneurship for the majority of my adult life. I've failed epically at many businesses and startups and all the things. And I've recently come into this idea and learned about what is known as boring businesses. And in that conversation towards the end of our coaching time together, you communicated to me that you actually run a boring business. That's what you've been doing for, for three decades now. So in our wavelength, whatever universal, whatever you want to call it, we had the idea to connect on that. I wanted to reach out to you and see if you would be interested in mentoring me as a young entrepreneur, getting to learn from someone like you and your experience. You also had the, the same kind of pool, right? You were going to reach out to me. It's true. It's true. And so we, we did that. We had a conversation a couple of weeks ago. We had our first conversation. And in that conversation, you had the idea of potentially doing a little podcast together and recording our, our kind of journey together almost as the, the I know you're going to push back on this, but the master and student concept of like someone early in their entrepreneur journey and someone. I don't want to start this conversation either by bragging or um, establishing my superiority, but I just need to say this to make it very clear because I think I'm better in this than you. I have failed in five businesses. So <laughs> I, I don't you go now and like you, you can. Five billions of I failed, and so I hope you suggesting that you failed more than me. I, I I don't. That's that's fair. I have not failed five businesses. Okay, I, that's okay. So that's it's you not, got me there, which is good. Thank you. Well, that's I, good. I'm gonna hold. I'm gonna hold that superiority. I, I, I failed five. 
You're a bigger but, failure than me, then. We'll hold that. Failure. I'm a bigger <laughs> failure than you. And I figured out that, that, that successful people are people who fail but never stop failing. And then that's, they eventually go, that's one of them works. That's the, what? you know, I had a, I had a buddy. That's all you need, by the way. That's all you right. need. Right. Well, I got that's, two of them working, but that's all you need. That's all you need. Well, two's even better. That's I would yeah, imagine that's even is, better. Two is better. Two is better. <laughs> that's for sure. What, 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 what triggered me in the podcast was we'd had this back and forward going, yeah, we should we we should chat, and and driving around a couple of days before that, I knew you did a podcast. What's your podcast called again? Order within. Order within. And I said so I've been to look up and I listened to your podcast, which was more about the kind of mindfulness, mental health. Yeah, is that? Yeah, I mean, men, mindfulness is something is a topic you don't want to get me onto because I just it's an obsession of mine. I've been meditating for forty years, so you just you don't want to get me down there because I will never <laughs> shut up. And, and in listening to the podcast, I just thought, wow. As we went through our conversation, which we're both enjoying, I just thought, well, Brandon has the experience of podcasting, and I think we're getting in some really interesting stuff here people might enjoy or benefit from so that that was where that was that was where the idea came and it was inspired by listening to your podcast thinking this is something that might be interesting so that's what has led us here today that's awesome paul well and honestly i love the things that just kind of bubble up from the surface not on like unintentionally i think are that that's those are fun things to me and explore i love podcasting i love listening to podcasts i've, I've been a big podcast fan i know you're a huge podcast fan too um podcast junkie Yes, exactly. The be- that's a good kind of junkie, right? There's um actually my wife and I were talking last night about how sometimes having some addictive personality traits can be good as long as you're applying those addictive components towards healthy habits and, and building yourself up. So like sometimes that can be a, a good component. Of my wife per se, I, I'm obsessive. I, I call it focused, but I'm very focused on the things that are important to me. But it, it, it's interesting when you talk about, uh, you know, when you approach this idea of mentoring, which is I, I don't love the word, but re- last week or so, you know, you exchange conversations with people on Twitter. And so the question was, what service can you offer to someone that would be worth 10,000 euros or something? So I responded back because I, yeah. I, I, I banter back and forth with this person. I responded back something that said, um, well, if you have a multi-million euro business, I can teach you how to run it in one hour a week. So mm-hmm. I said, and I said, um, so I said, but that may be worth a lot more than 10,000 euro. So uh, that was fine. There's a lady, lady came back and she said something to the fact, well, what type of clients do you work with? Do you look for? And in her, and by her coming back to me, I thought, whoa, slow down. I never said I was looking for clients. So I responded to her and I said, oh, I said I could teach someone how to run a multi-million euro business in one hour a week. I didn't say I would. <laughs> I didn't say I would do it. And, and it made me think, because it's not the first time I've been asked or something, and, I, and mostly I go, business mentoring? No, I, I, I don't want to go there. And uh, it's just not the first time I've been asked. And, but my, to me, my answer was very, very interesting, and it gave me an insight in, in, into myself, because my initial reaction was, you can keep your $10,000, you know, I've, I've more fun things to do. So, um, and I talked to myself because I enjoyed our conversation. I talked to myself, but we talked a lot of business. So what, it, so what is it 
Um, and you didn't offer to pay me 10,000 euro, which I'm very offended by. But... I'll just expect an invoice to come at the end of this then. Yes, weekly, every week. <laughs> um, so I thought to myself, what is it that, if someone's going here, I pay, if I pay 10,000 euro, you'll do this. And then go, no, no, I won't. And yet I'm interested in doing it. So I told to myself, what is it? And I, thought, and I said, you know what? It's not, I'm not so much interested in business. I'm interested in, in the person someone has to become to run a successful business. Mm. That, that's what really, that's what really excites me. And I, I ended up later in the week, I haven't published it yet, writing a, a thread on the five or six steps to running your business in this way. And as I was writing the six steps, I got to the end of it. I thought, oh, but here's the hardest part. The hardest part is becoming the person who can do that. And, and that's, the steps are easy. I could list them off to you in five minutes. Becoming the person who can do that, that's the really hard part. But I realized that's what excites me. What excites mm. me is someone wanting to become the person who can be the entrepreneur. And it, it could be anything. It could be become an artist. What excites me is the person who wants to grow and develop. And it just happens that their work of art is building a business. Now, I find that enormously uh, exciting. Mm -hmm. But if someone just wants to have a business conversation, it's like dull as dishwater. I've been there and I'm, you keep your money. So well, and, there, and there's tons of good books. And, and like from that point, Paul, I think there's because it's more tactical. Like that's you can have strategic kind of tactical conversations around the mechanics of running successful businesses. Yeah. But I think that's a thread between you and I that exists. And that's why this has prompted us to do something like this, too, is we both have a deep love for personal development, self-mastery. And and you're like, that's what I've come to realize is that having the ability to develop yourself, you, to do to achieve certain things in life, you have to work on yourself first. I didn't understand that when I was younger, but you really do have to make yourself into a, a person that can do certain things. And I, I find it interesting because ultimately, Paul, I think in my mind, the goal is in a lot of ways for these conversations is to help people develop themselves to become someone that could run a, a business successfully in a minimum amount of time in a very strategic way, the way that you've learned to do over your career. But how can we help potentially shortcut some of that? What are some of those lessons along the way? And how does it always, because ultimately it ties back to us as the individuals who are doing the thing, who are trying to achieve the thing. And I think that perspective is very, it's empowering because it's not like you can spend your whole life worrying about and studying strategies and tactics and all this stuff. But if you're kind of jacked up internally, doing, building something meaningful, at least something in a, in a, I think a fulfilling, healthy way is going to be very difficult if you're, if we're out of sorts, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and, and I think that was something that when we talked in the past that was interesting about your journey and where you started and kind of where you are now is you were kind of internally a bit of a mess with dealing with the situation that you came into with your family business in a lot of ways, right? Like you kind of, would you say that that's at, like you're, if I remember correctly, and we can kind of get in, because I think it would be helpful, Paul, for for listeners to understand kind of your arc of the journey. We can talk a little bit about, I'm super early. I'm, I'm, I'm like, we'll talk a little bit about how I tie into this, but I think more, but like for you early on, I think what was very interesting to me is how you kind of had to reset your mind around your business and how you were thinking about it, how you had to kind of separate 
components of yourself and what you wanted in the business itself. Because if I remember correctly, the business you were running was actually doing pretty good, but you were struggling with the fact that you were running a business, right? Like, well, do you want the, the the arc from the arc for me was uh, loving a business very early on, and maybe that's the entrepreneurial part, the foundation, the starting. Moving into hating is a very strong word, but being very miserable in the business for a long time, and I'm talking probably 10, 15 years or something, which is a long time to be miserable. But that's that's the stupid things we do. And then returning back to a love for the a love for the business. So when I left, um, when I was about to leave leave school, my father wanted me to had an electrical contracting business. He wanted me to become an engineer so I could move into that that business. And um, we had this sit down, photo some conversation, and then he goes, "I'd like you to now go engineering college, become an engineer, and then come in and come into the business." And I said, "Dad, I'm not going to college." Yeah, I'm done with education. It it, it doesn't, I mean, I, I'm not an academic. This doesn't suit me. I'm done with education. I'm 18 years of age. I want to work now. That's it. I'm going to go, I'm going to go and work. And he was frustrated with that because his background had been one where they didn't have a lot of money and he would have liked to do lots of things that his family couldn't afford for him to do. So he ended up at maybe 14 years of age taking a trade, becoming an electrician, and eventually founding his own business. So for him to be able to gift to me, go to college for, for four years, I'll fund it, blah, 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 blah. And for me to go, I don't want to do that. <laughs> he was going, what, I, I, are you crazy? Um, and yes. and his, his, yeah, I'm crazy. But his golfing buddy's son had just maybe gone to, the previous year had gone to college. So he thought it was a natural, natural thing. I don't know how I had the wherewithal to know it wasn't for me, but I just knew that that's not for me. I've left school. I'm finished with it. We we move on. Uh, so now he knew I wasn't going to move into his electoral contract business. But never wasn't going to wasn't going to happen for me. And he said to me, "I have an idea. I have an idea that I want to start. Or I can't remember if he'd already started, but I want to." He said, "I, I want to move out of contracting in time, and I want to move into distribution." He said, and he, there was no business there. Um, and he hadn't. He said, "I want to set this up. Would you do this for me, with me?" And I said, well, that sounds exciting. So now we're selling products to the industry. We're not, you know, we're, we're not hands-on doing the work ourselves because that's kind of what I want to do. I see an opportunity and he spotted an opportunity. And I said, that's exciting. And that was very exciting for me because um, he was involved in contracting. He knew a lot of contractors and we were now bringing in these products. And, and our first warehouse was literally a cupboard you know, you put a couple of shirts in that. that that's a big one. <laughs> I can still picture it. I can still picture the room it was. It was in a small room in a small house. And that's it. That was our warehouse. That was a very, to me, those early days were very exciting for me. But he was so heavily involved in his contracting business. My sister worked with him in his contracting business. I had nothing to do with that. I made it clear I wanted nothing to do with that business. I was rocking, I was rocking away in this. And it was largely just me. Uh, there wasn't much going on because it was which was starting it was largely just me. I, 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 you know, I had a bike that I did deliveries on. Yeah, eighteen years of age, and I did delivery in a bike, and it was a fun time. It was an exciting time. I was largely on my own, also. So uh, I mean, mm. I'm not saying my father wasn't involved, but most of my days were doing my own thing and dealing with customers. I enjoyed. I I, I enjoyed that that time. But what happened over a period of years is that. 
that business became more successful and became bigger. And therefore, more people came into that. And eventually, my father, who ultimately wants to get out of contracting, said, okay, now I'm going to close down the contracting business. We're just going to all concentrate in this, in this business. And my father had a dream that probably went sour, but a dream to bring all his children under the one roof into a business. So this city brought my brother into the business as well. So, but now they all moved into what was our, our distribution business and he closed down the, the contracting business, which was good for him and it was a great plan for him. So now my world changed from being this guy on my own doing this entrepreneurial thing with, with, with all the folks in this business, family around me, other people. And I began to lessen, lessen that enjoyment because one of the things I've realized is one of my highest values is freedom. And when you're put in that environment, your freedom begins to, to, um, to be encroached a little bit. But this was now maybe five or six years in, into this journey, at which stage I was just newly married, uh, buying a house. And I was really focused on that, on that sort of stuff. And so over the next probably five, six years or so, until I got to my early 30s, uh, then eventually my father uh, uh, retired, left the business, wanted myself and my brother and my sister to run it. But that just didn't work out. That was just chaotic. My brother and sister are great, very intelligent people, very capable people, but they're not entrepreneurs. So you're putting a square peg in a round hole, but you were trying to get them to work with someone who was an actual entrepreneur. And, and, and it was just and it was just war. So, <clears throat> so I found myself in a situation. Now I I I, I was married, um, had a mortgage, young family. So but I'm beginning to find I've gotten to something that's not working out for me because I'm an introvert. Now, I like nothing more than being at home, my desk here and a writer, whatever, but I don't want to be engaged in, in a business much outside of that. Uh, but now I was very heavily engaged and the family was imploding because it just wasn't working. And eventually we decided um, that it, our decision was forced upon us. My father was gone from the business. Myself, my brother, and my sister couldn't work together, and so they left. They left the business. They remained as shareholders in the business, uh, but they were gone from the business. It was just me. But also, when they left, if you can imagine, it was effectively all the management of the business walking at the door when they say, "Now you left of this business, and it's chaos. Your whole team are gone. You've got your staff." And it was a business in a complete mess, and it was a cultural mess because my father's very, very different to me, and how he approached business, business was very, very different to me. So I was probably my early thirties by the time I was found myself in this situation. But now I have a family um, I have a family. We were in the, I think we, we may have built this house or we're in the process. So you've all these responsibilities coming across you. My wife had left work cause we'd moved down here to Wicklow. And um, so all these pressures coming up, coming upon me. Now, my wife was enormously supportive to me, but either way I take on these responsibilities. There was enormous pressure. So during those years, I found myself, and two things. One, running a business that I seemed to do very successfully. So the business was doing well. I was making good money. I was very happy with the income, but I hated it. Now, I spent mm. a long time in that hating it. I spent a long time in that hating it. And I eventually merged, emerged from that. The thing is, but I took myself to the wall before emerging to that. I mean, I literally sitting at my desk, I thought I was going to have a heart attack. I was wondering, will I get to the hospital in time before I drop dead? That's the wow. point. Of, now that's the point of pressure I got to. I was literally incredibly unhappy. I was going to my doctor, my homeopath, my, you know, what's going wrong with me? And 
every no no one could find anything anything wrong with me. Um, you know, long very long story until eventually I had an amazing aha moment to realize I'm miserable because I hate what I'm doing. I'm doing something I shouldn't be doing. Oh, but the the problem is I now have a family. I have a mortgage. I have three. I have three young sons. What 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 do I do? Their happiness is more important than my happiness. Uh, what do I do? Um, and the transition moment. Well, there were lots of transition moments, but one of the moments you you spoke about, I think, or maybe we spoke about it before, was being on a business course and sitting beside people, and, and we all had our finances worked out because that was the prep for this. And looking to my left and looking to my right and seeing what people's incomes were because they had their net worth. Or, and, and I had mine in front of me. And as soon as I saw theirs, we'll close it over. I didn't want them to see mine. The reason they want to see mine is because it had conversation. We'd all had conversations because we were here to learn. So I was talking about how miserable I was. Thinking, yeah, I'm miserable, but I'm earning five times what you're earning. That's how, that's it. So I closed it over, but it wasn't a hard moment because I can still remember clearly because the penny dropped for me is going, Okay, so, so in our lives, there's a number of things we have to we have to get in, in order. And in the world we live in, money is one of those things. So I have the money box ticked. I'm doing really well at that. I'm way ahead of most people. That's okay. You need to be happy also. I'm very happy in my home life, but in my work life, I am miserable. I mean, I'm, I, I'm, I'm very close to the bottom of this. But don't confuse the two problems. Is there a way in which I can keep the money box ticked? Because why start from scratch? Why join the bond with the queue and start? It doesn't cause other problems. And how can I, how can I, and that was when I came, I came across a guy called Keith Cunningham, who I've learned a massive man from. And I realized here was someone who ran small businesses. And when I say small, I mean business of 5 million plus. So I don't mean businesses of uh, two or 300 million because they don't relate to small business owners. Um, and I began to realize that he knew how to run the business in a way I didn't. And, that, and I thought, okay, so I keep the income, I keep the business, I know it's hard, and I learn how to run a business, a business properly. And that's the, personal, that's the personal journey. Can you become the person that can, that can do that? So that's, that's a very long story. <laughs> no, it's amazing though, Paul. Like that's the, I think that's the arc though because that's the personal development that we're talking about you you looking you like being aware that you have something of value like even though you're personally miserable in the situation that you're in recognizing that you have a tangibly successful business that you've been running even though you're miserable doing it there's a real asset here that you have and so maybe instead of nuking the asset Maybe yeah. I can work on myself and make me work with the asset that I built, right? And it sounds like that's kind of the, well, the well, decision point. One of the dropping things was was um, there were there, there were several reasons I was miserable in the business. One is that it's not my nature to be engaged with people all the time. It's my nature to be quiet in solitude. I'm an introvert, so that's what I that's what I love. That's my nature. It took me a long time to accept that. Um, because initially maybe I didn't accept that. I thought, well, I should be something something different. When we live yeah. in a very extroverted-driven well, world too, Paul, even right? An extra, an extra, and you have responsibilities. You're a man. Get off your you know, selfish ass and get out and do something. So I realized I realize that. But also at the time, the culture in the business, the culture that I had inherited was horrible. I mean, it was a horrible mm. place to work. And it was a very aggressive place and a very a destructive 
But that's what I'd inherited. And also it's what I believed successful people did. That's how they operate. And then I had to look at my own nature. And at this stage, I was, I'd been meditating since I was 18 years of age. So I was familiar with the peaceful state of mind and that interconnectedness. And I just knew that wasn't my nature. The water I had to talk to you about a difficult issue or an easy issue. Being aggressive with you is not my approach. Being destructive, being manipulative. That's not my nature, but that seemed to be how successful people did it. And I had to go, okay, so that's not how I'm going to do it. So, so I'm going to turn a business that reflects me. And I, I, I would have said to people at the time, this is how we're doing things now. And, and, and when I would take new people in the business, I'd go, you want to really get an insight into me pretty quickly because this is how the business is run. I run the business to suit me. You will either go, I love this way of being in business and you will love it here. I'm going to go, I hate this. And then I'm not changing. So why don't you go work somewhere else? So that's kind of the approach I took. So, so it took, that's the personal growth. It took me time to emerge in an environment that expected something completely different of me. It took me time to emerge to go, hold a sec. This is, this, this is me. This is how I engage with the world. It's how I engage with business. If you want to do business with me, if you want to work for me, this is what I expect. And by the way, I respect the fact that you want to live differently. There's loads of places to work, but it's not here. And it took me a long time to become that man. The personal growth is the hardest part of it. And, and to face up to other people's expectations of you, other people's expectations of how you should run a business. There's also the skills part. You have to learn how to, to run a business differently. And, and again, we spoke of being obsessive. When I, when I want to know something, I obsess. So I obsess in everything I could learn about that. Mm. But everything I've learned, I'm gonna say, I nearly said useless, and that would be unfair. If we look at a scale of value of one to 10, the information I learned was incredibly valuable, but it only would have impacted a two out of 10 if I hadn't taken the personal journey. Mm. Because I took the personal journey, I was able to take that information and take it from a two to a 10, but I would have been stuck at two if I, I could have applied the tools, but if I hadn't grown, the business wouldn't have grown and it never would have happened. Well, it's interesting you say that, Paul, because I think a lot the the when we're running businesses or we're trying to achieve goals that we have or build a company or whatever it is, when we're stuck or we're struggling, we often look outside of ourselves. We look at the business itself. We look at how can I change? I need to hire different people. I need whatever. And and that's actually a distraction away from the real work because no one who truly desires to do wonderful things in their lives whatever that means to each of us, right? Which that's each, we define what that means, but none of us can do excellent things without working on ourselves and doing that hard work initially, because that's why there's this whole world that we live in and there's all these ways to escape that work and, and burying ourselves and building a business or working on our company is actually a way to escape that very important work of developing ourselves into the leader that we need to be. Because in my mind, Paul, what you're describing is your evolution as a leader, and that's all driven by your personal development. Like you can be an introverted leader, but as you learned early on, the more extroverted, maybe more aggressive approach didn't align with who you were personally. And so you had to rework your company culture, what that meant to you. And then you had to go about doing the, the hard lifting, the heavy lifting of actually applying that stuff. You had to communicate that to your employees. You had to communicate that to a new people that you're hiring, you probably had to com communicate that to vendors and customers and all the things like 
So that's a huge reset and takes a lot of courage and effort and kind of tenacity to your point. Like that's your single-minded focus that you're talking about. You can't achieve that if you're not single-mindedly focused in doing that work because that's a lot. I, I, came, I, I came home after a many years ago, maybe 15 years ago, maybe 20, I can't remember. Came home after a weekend away at a Tony Robbins event where I'd done a firewalk. And it was, it was an amazing aha moment for me because when you do it, what it temporarily does is spins you into some sort of an altered state of consciousness. So, it, so to walk in hot cold at 200 degrees or whatever it was, 2000, you have to take your fear and take it down to here to enable you to do it. And when you, when you drop your fear down to here, you're in, a, you're in an altered state for a period of time because you can do anything. And in that altered state, I was able to look at my life. Uh, and Tony Robbins does a, does a thing called the Dickens process where it's like you look at your past, your present, and your future. So I was now in an altered state. So my fear that's, that's normally up here, I look at my fear, is now down here. So now I look at myself honestly. I mean, it's an incredible gift if you can, it, it, to, to have. I can look at myself honestly. And I looked at the life I had and I thought, I hate this. And then I said, but, but then what he makes you do is compound it. Well, nothing will change. What will you be like in one year, three years, five years, 50 years, 20, you know, 15 years, 20 years? I saw this, I saw this rich, old, miserable man. Mm -hmm. Yes, you would made lots of money. I actually saw an old maid, gray haired, gray powder, and a gray suit, just this gray old man. This was the image I saw. Mm -hmm. and, and it's horrible. And it gets you into an emotional state where you, you have embedded this. And so I had a sense of certainty. I stay in this path, that is who I am when I'm, say, 70 years of age, 75 years of age. And then it goes, okay, what if you stepped onto a different path and created the life you wanted to live? The life congruent with who you are. What would that look like? Well, I start seeing a very different journey. Mm. I start seeing a guy full of light, full of enthusiasm, full of, full of passion. And I saw a guy then living an amazing life. Um, but getting to the end of that life and this guy, the gray guy getting to the end of life is going, I never lived. Mm -hmm. What did I get to the end of life going, what a ride. That was something else. So the beauty of that was that I got to, I got to experience both. And I said, I don't know. I don't care of what the cost is. I'm walking this road. I'm never walking that road again. So um, that was a, an incredible aha moment. Um, the interesting thing is though, my life began to change enormously from that from that moment because I just made a different decision. And so you're right, you, you fast forward two or three years and it was evidence to a lot of people that I had changed and my life had changed. And we used to be dinner parties with friends. I would relate a story because the time was so fresh and I was so passionate about it, so enthusiastic. I would relate a story about the massive change and all this sort of stuff. And my wife would interject. And she'd go, you're missing something, you're missing something. And I go, what did I leave out? And she goes, well, the story's true, but what's the but? What you're not telling people is the two or three years of misery in between. She goes, you're not telling people that you came back and the chaos because you want to change everything in your life. You're not telling people how hard that was for you in the business to, to change all these dinosaurs to, to communicate to everyone, to your family, that this is how I am, this is who I am now. And she said that was a couple of years at least, I can't remember, two or three years, of incredibly hard work 
to get that. And she used to say to me, not tell the story. But see, that's my nature. I just, I go bummed that the exciting story. <laughs> and it's, but it's literally only in the last couple of years I've realized she was right. That, that's the most important part of the story. Because, mm-hmm. if I, because if I miss that, particularly, I'm 57, so particularly if I'm speaking to someone 30 years younger than me, and I omit that part of the story, then what they have happens is they get into a moment in life where they see these ambitious, exciting goals and they decide I'm living this life. And then two weeks later, it hasn't happened. Or two months later, they go, I'm a failure back to my old life. So I'm not saying everyone will struggle for the two or three years that I did. I'm saying it's a possibility. And most very successful people I know who've created their lives, they want have jumped through hoops over a period of time. So I think it's really useful to go, I did massively shift my life. I did largely create the life I wanted to live that I live today. But the journey was hard. And my experiences, because I, I, I've attended lots of courses and I do lots of that sort of stuff. My experience is that a good 80 to 90% of people don't walk the road. So they take the learning in and they're all excited once their enthusiasm wanes, they go back to their old ways and then they complain that it didn't happen for them. Mm. So, that, so the hard story is probably really important. If it was easy, everyone would, everyone would do it. Paul, that's so, and that's like, that's exactly why I'm excited about these conversations because there are a lot of people in my generation and younger that miss that whole two to three year period. We, we see the, just like yeah. you said, the desire to change and the end state, we don't realize that there's all the work that has to, to happen between that. And, and, and something that I've come to know is just chopping wood and carrying water. Like that's a kind of a yeah. Zen moniker, right? Like, you know, before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. After enlightenment, chop wood, yeah. carry water. Like ultimately, you got to do the work regardless. And I think especially now in our kind of instant gratification driven culture and world that we live in with social media and everything, people glaze over the gross, hard, bumpy, challenging parts to present this flowery image of life. And it's bullshit, like for the most part, because you you have to put in your time. You have to. And I, I think particularly younger people don't like to hear that because we want the thing now. But I, I'd love that you're sharing that, because if you are committed to living an excellent life, whatever that means to you, you have to realize that if you're not living that life now, it's because you're not in a state of existence that's reflecting that way of life. That's not like the potential's there. You're feeling called and pulled to this vision. But we literally have to reshape ourselves, just like you described. You had to go out, communicate to everyone in your life, your employees, your customers, your family. This is who you truly are. It's going to be a painful process because you've known me this way, but this is who I really am. And we're going to work together. And for the people that you love and the people love you, they'll, they'll ebb and flow with it, right? It might, it's not going to be easy, but they'll, they'll, they'll make the moves with you. And so I think it's important that people understand that. Like you, there's work that has to be done. That's also the joy of it though. Like you were just saying, if stuff was easy, everyone would do it and there would be no fulfillment or satisfaction in the accomplishment of the feat itself. Like you're climbing a treacherous, I was just talking with Ashley about this last night, like my wife, Ashley. And and if you, the bigger the vision, the bigger and chaotic and tumultuous the mountain is that you're climbing. You're, it's not just this straight shot. You're going to be wrapping all around the mountain, going through all this terrain. You're going to fall down. But 
that's what makes it so epic when you do it because everyone else is down at the base going, man, I wish I could get to the top of the mountain, but they, they haven't activated their courage yet to, to take the journey. And like that to me so is the also, journey. Also going, um, Hey, look, look, Brandon is so lucky. Look at Brandon up there. He, he, he is, he is so lucky to stop. I, I, at times I'm reluctant to tell people the details of my journey. Um, because people get stuck in the details and they go, ah, that worked for you. They go, the details of the journey are, are irrelevant because all of our journeys are different. It's that exactly. I made the journey. But the other interesting thing is, what else do we expect? What else do we expect now? I mean, if, if you decide now that you want to radically improve your fitness, you're a couch potato, you want to get fit, lose weight, and you want to, you know, become really, really fit. Do you expect that that's going to happen in one week? You go, no, I'm going to have to change my lifestyle permanently. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to exercise continually perfectly. I get on a bike four days a week. I go to the gym three days a week. That's, that's, that's what I do. Now, I, some people, maybe I'm fit. Thankfully, I peers who are much fitter than me. So I have, a, I, I, I have something to aim for. But the thing about it is, is that I don't get, to, uh, at this point in time, I'm at a pretty good level of fitness. But I don't get to maintain that level of fitness unless I continue to training. That will last for about two weeks. And after that, it's going it, 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 to plateau and fall. If I want to maintain the level of fitness, I have to keep training. So, so there's nothing. If you want to, oh gosh, I was nearly going to tell you how long I'm married and you realize I can't remember. I think about 33 years. So <laughs> I've been fortunate to be one woman since I was 15, 16 years of age. It's a very long wow. relationship. Yeah, over 40 it's years we've been together. Amazing accomplishment. Yeah, three. <laughs> well, it's, it's very lucky for me and, and she's been very patient. <laughs> but, but, but the point I'm making is that you, you don't get to create a great relationship overnight. You work on it con continuously. And even after 40 years, you regularly check in, you prioritize, you work on it continuously. So no one would expect that I met my wife 40 years ago. And the first couple of weeks, we got a great job done. That's it. We rolled. Okay. No one would expect that. They'd go, no. You're going to be together for 40 years. And if it's a good relationship, you're working on that all the time. So why do people think that they can build a business or grow wealth over time? Because I often say to people, you know, I know, I do know a number of wealthy people. I know nobody who got there quickly. It may be possible to get rich quick. I just don't know. I can't talk about it. I got rich slow. So I can't help anyone who wants to get rich quick. I'm not saying it can't be done. I just don't know anyone has done it. And your odds are, and your odds are very, very slow. But when we first spoke first, one of the things that, 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 that I thought Brandon will do this, and apart from your passion and tools and vision, all this other stuff, but what you said was that, you know, you were, you accepted the fact that certainly for the first 18 months, two years, you were going to be hands-on in every part of this, but you were going to be the worker. You were mm -hmm. the worker. You would be doing all, all the work. And if you set that up properly and that got and all working properly, then you would look at maybe bringing someone in and moving on to a new franchise. And, and then you realize, oh, I have to do the work, do, do, do the, do the work again. <laughs> and, um, but the willing and the other thing you said is not only were you willing to that, but you would enjoy that. And I thought, 
okay, now, now he, he, you know, he, he understands that if I'm going to enjoy the process, you will love the outcome. But if you're not enjoying the process, because if you just want me to pass some nuggets of wisdom to you, so you can skip right to the end and go, I can't help you with that, bud. But if you if you're gonna work it, if you're gonna walk a road for many years, well, maybe I can help you with that because you might come across some road, but signposts and go, what the hell's that? And they go, yeah, that's yeah, we all get there, you know, that's part of it. But but that part, so yeah, there, there may be a whole audience just go, I'm not interested. You know, tell me how I can become a millionaire in six months. I can't because I didn't do it. I'm not going to talk about anything, anything I I I, I didn't do. Um, I love I, that, Paul. I love I, the I love the concept of getting slow rich too. Getting rich slow. Like I don't think I, it's more practical. It's 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 the way the majority of people do it too. To your point, right? I, I don't know anyone personally. I know some wealthy folks. It took them a long time to do it. I don't know anyone that's been an overnight success. And I think even the people that are overnight successes, that's actually a a, a media shift on their story. If you really look into the weeds and go into it, they had been at that thing for several years before they had a moment that spiked. Like the viral moment is a thing that's attractive, but people don't realize is that you eat shit often for many years before you have that moment too, to your point, right? Like it's the, without that work, without the willingness to kind of roll up our sleeves and get into the mud a bit and do the work itself. It's going to be really hard to build anything, I think, of substantial wealth or meaning from that perspective. I don't, I don't, unless you're scamming people, maybe that's the way to do it. But. Yeah. I mean, I just, I just don't, I just don't know any other way. And then um, I changed my name on Twitter recently to the Mindful Millionaire because I've been thinking for a long time what to call myself. And I was really reluctant to do, we spoke about this earlier, this notion of, talking to people, what you have and bragging is something I'm very uncomfortable with. Um, and I was trying to find something to it. And I was very, I was very reluctant to use the word millionaire because it's just not something I use. But if you want attention from, you know, if you want people to listen to you, maybe it's something you need, you need to do. But I think the thing about it is that I tried to communicate to people that I, I did that over my entire working life, I didn't fall out of bed one day and become financially successful, financially independent. It just didn't happen. It happened over a long period period of time. But many years ago, I was sitting uh, with a friend of mine, and he was we were having, having a conversation about goal setting. My wife had just left her work job, and she had a very good job. She was making more money than I was mm. to look after the kids. But we knew long term, I probably more career potential. So we said she was out and, and I, but so I sat down with my friend and we, I think at the time I was earning maybe 20,000 Irish pounds as they were at the time. <clears throat> and I set a very ambitious goal. It seemed extravagant to me at the time. I he said, well, what's your goal? I said, my goal is to earn 50,000 pounds a year. And it was like, boom, that was, that was something else. Um, now, the interesting thing is I set that goal and went about achieving it. Two things struck me. One was that I eventually got there. And I can't remember how many years it took me to get there, but I got there probably quicker than I thought. But the interesting thing that I hadn't realized when I set the goal was that I was at 20 and I set a goal for 50. So 50 was where I was going. But I was at 20. So when I get to 25, things were just a little bit better because I had more money. When I get to 30, this is nicer still. 35, 40. So although it took 
I may, let's say it took me two years to get there at three years. I can't remember. But I had thought there's a starting point and a finishing point, and there's not. There's a journey. And if I, if, so if I'm going, I don't have enough at 20 because my wife's not working. But by the time I get to 25 or 30, which wasn't that far away, things were beginning to ease. We had a little bit more. So there is a journey and it's not starting from here and getting to a point where I'm financially independent or very, or very successful. It's like all along that journey, if you're pushing, you're incrementally getting better. You're, you fit, it's, it's like the fitness I was talking about earlier. If you're on a couch potato, in, in a month's time, six weeks' time, you'll have lost some weight, you'll feel a bit fitter. You will feel bloody good compared to where you were before. Mm-hmm. You're maybe not running a marathon yet, but you're going to feel good. So I think one, that's important also. Although the, the road to what you're building may take a long time, you know, you get to enjoy a lot of it along the way because you're, you're moving away from where you were. They didn't want to be at your starting point and you're getting closer all the time, all the time. And what I can say 30 odd years later is I, I haven't found the end point. Mm, yeah. I haven't found the end point because to me, I'm embarking on a new a journey that I'm really excited about and, and, and buzzed up now. I, I was in a class last week and I got up at 2 a.m. in the morning to attend this class. Oh. Whatever, you know, whatever part of the States it was in, I want to attend a live was from 2 to 4 a.m. I got up at 2 a.m., did the tour of class, went back to bed. My wife's gone like, what sort of crazy are you? What sort of crazy are you? You clearly don't need to do this. You don't need to work. Um, and you're getting in a bed to do, to do this and go, I'm just doing what I'd love to do. So the journey never, the journey never ends, but hopefully the, 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 the traveling improves along the way. Exactly. And I think Paul, that's the, I think that's a great point to, to, anchor on because in my mind what you're describing is the the growth mindset and everything that it represents and that was a big shifting point early in my late 20s for me was recognizing the or maybe it was my early 30s recognizing the difference in the growth mindset and realizing that when you shift the way you look at things problems challenges limited knowledge not achieving the things that you want to do instead of thinking oh I'm a failure oh I'm not capable oh I don't have the talent or the skills and turning that around and saying, you know what, if I'm committed to the work and willing to learn, there is no such thing as mistakes. There is no such thing as failures. There's only lessons and learnings along the way. And life becomes a journey of growth and evolution that ideally never ends. We just continue on. And if depending on what happens after this life, we just carry on in that evolution of growth and, and, and betterment and empowerment, if you will. And that's the change, though, is recognizing that life is a journey. And that when you're, when you're, what I learned too, Paul, is internally, I was very unhappy and unfulfilled. So I had this fixed idea about a certain state of an outcome, money, relationship, whatever, that would fix the way that I was feeling. And that was the, the, the lie that I was telling myself, because it's not, there's not this end state that you get to. It's once you realize, actually, I need to learn to accept who I am, love who I am, understand why I feel like such a shit all the time and I feel so depressed, et cetera, get into the root of who you are and then allow that person to bloom out, man, like become who you are and live your life to where your life becomes an expression of all that you are. So for you, that story you just told, you're getting up at 2 a.m. not because you have to or you're stuck, but that's the expression of your growth and the things that you love to do and the journey that you're on and you're viewing your life as a journey. I mean, honestly, Paul, 
it's a blessing from my perspective that there is no end state that and once you change to realize that it's the journey itself that makes life so enjoyable and fulfilling and that shit's hard and there's all these lessons once you turn you, you shift your mind to that though anything really does become possible you you realize that there's nothing you can't learn if you're willing to put the time in at it and, and work at it the vision of life that we have can be as big as we want as long as we're willing to view it as that journey and do the work along the way and really embrace the ride. I think too much is focused on the outcome. Like you just said, like once you hit that 50,000 pounds a year, now you move the next target. Like, let's keep going. What can we do now? Like that, that becomes an addictive kind of growth component to where you're, you're evolving, you're growing and you're changing. Like the process again, the process it's, we got to love the process. I didn't get that when I was in my 20s. I was only thinking about outcomes and I was miserable. And it wasn't until you start shifting around, realizing the journey is what it's about, that you let go of the outcome. You obviously want to set targets, right? Your milestones along the way, yeah, like course. you mentioned, because because those are the markers that make you like that ensure that you are going in the direction you want to go, because that's important. And you this is also tools. you need both. Right. Exactly. You need both to you. And, and that's also why I'm excited to, to, to have this relationship with you and us to be on this journey together, because as I'm on an entrepreneurial journey, you can help with others like me who who are on this path, too, and say, hey, you know what? Actually, that path there is a distraction. Be careful with that path. Stick where you are and kind of pivot away from that. So because th there's all these forks in the road that we all come up against and you're like, ah, let's try it. And you go and you get burned. Ideally, in, in, in fruitful mentorships. You have somebody that can be like, dude, I got burned 20 times doing that. You can get burned if you want, or you can learn and we can learn from those mistakes together and, and kind of short, not shortcut, but shorten the pain a bit, if you will, and, and just get us closer to that vision that we have. I think that to me is an ideal kind of mentorship. Hopefully what we're going to be doing here together with, with our conversations, you know, to me. A mentor encourages you to be yourself. That's, that's, um, be, because if I look at my, my journey and I had several different mentors and each of them were encouraging me to be more to, so it, 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 the answers were all, the answers were always within me. I don't, I don't mean particular operational answers in the business where you get advice. I mean, the answers to what was next in my growth and what I did were always within me. Mm. Sometimes I needed to bounce it off someone to give that space so that they could reflect back to me that I already knew. Mm. The <clears throat> Mostly when I faced big challenges, I already knew what the answers. I didn't have the courage to confront it. Mm. <laughs> when you have to, courage to confront it then you're a step closer to dealing with it but when most of society is in the place where they're not acknowledging these things they're distracting themselves with mm -hmm. everything else and they're not conf not confronting them not confronting themselves i, I suppose um, that's, that's deep wisdom paul right there man that's some deep because that's that it like when once you realize that the biggest enemy that we face is ourselves it the game completely changes like it, an enemy is a maybe a strong word but it's like the obstacle that we face is within us that's it's it's 
outside of us is the distraction that makes it like that tricks us into thinking that we have to fix stuff outside of ourselves. Sometimes you have to reflect and you're like, you know what? I'm deeply in debt. I need to take care of that. But like that's a that comes back to us reflecting on ourselves and the life that we want and then looking at the reality that we face. It's all driven from honest reflection of who we are and connection to who we are. I think that's super I powerful. Think this is, is this reflection of who we are, what we really want, why we're really here, what really matters to us. They are innate questions for us all, but we grow up in an environment that doesn't encourage you to ask that. We grow up in an environment where you're told what to do. You need to be told some things. <laughs> you grow in an environment where your, your parents, society, religion, school, employers, there's a whole world telling you this is who you should be. This is how you should think. This is how you should live. Um, and really what we've got to get back to is who am I? What matters to me? Can I accept that, that maybe I'm different to the rest of society? But who do I want uh, to be? Who am I? When you approach life from, a, from the point of view of who am I? What really matters to me? And you make your decisions on that basis. I think you make a lot less mistakes because a lot of the mistakes, and I talk purely, purely practical business investment mistakes, a lot of those mistakes were made from a me that wasn't really me. Had I been truly deeply connected to what I really, really wanted, um, I, I, I saved myself from complete and absolute financial ruin in 2007. Um, and at the time, I was about to invest in about, I can't remember, five or six million euro in a premises not far from where our offices were based. And I'd been, we pretty much decided to do it. We'd gotten all the ducks in line. We're, we're, we're buying this 6 million euro business. It was an amazing facility we were, we were moving into. Um, and that day I'd been in my office and my father was there and our auditor was there. And the conversation was having about making this investment. And at some stage, the conversation went on between my father and the auditor. Because I, to some degree, stepped back and I listened to the conversation. And I thought, these two guys are having, the, having this conversation. But I'm the guy who's going to have to do this. <laughs> so they'll have the conversation and leave the room and then leave it with me. And something dropped. So I got in my car and I drove home. It was a lovely summer, summer's evening. And I live about 45 minutes from my office. And I live in the countryside. And as I... As I pulled up, got to my gates, and my gates opened in front of me, and I pulled into the driveway. And as you pull into the driveway, which is just out here, on a on, on a clear day, you can see the ocean. So you pull into the driveway, and you're looking out. It's beautiful countryside, and you look out into the ocean. And as I pulled into the driveway, I thought, God, how blessed I am to live in such a beautiful place. This is, you know. And I thought, and I'm going to walk into this house, and I have a lovely wife, and I've three beautiful children. How blessed am I? What more do I want? And I'm very, very lucky because we've the time and the wherewithal to travel and do all these things. What more do I want? So the penny kind of dropped. I thought, if I spend 6 million euro on this business, who's going to benefit? Like, how is my life going to be better with this? Well, I build a bigger business. Okay, but do you, are you buying a bigger house? No. You're buying a bigger car? No. 
so, so what's in this for you? And I had the realization there was nothing in it for me except ego. Ego is good. Because I can stand up and go, that building's mine. This is how big my build. My, I'm going to feel good. But so what am I? Oh, hold a sec. So I was blessed. In that moment, I connected what was real for me. And I have everything I want. Listen, I don't want to grow. I have everything I want. Why would, why would I mess with that? So the following day, I back, went, went back in. I said, look, guys, deal is off. I mailed this. There were a couple of people who were upset with that. A couple of people who would have profited from the deal. I said, mm-hmm. no, no, we're not doing this. Deal, deal is over. That was the end of it. Upset a few people, but my decision was made. That was fine. By 2008, 2009, a financial crash came. And the world went to shit. And my business collapsed by 60%. But as certain as that, I would have lost everything. I would have lost my hair. I would have lost my health. I would have lost my business. I would have lost everything because I entered that recession as a man with a business that didn't owe a penny to anybody. I would have entered that as a business owing whatever five and a half million euro or something completely. So I would have lost everything. Best decision I ever made. Now, when I tell that at the time when around the financial crisis, people tell telling these stories. And I would tell the story. People go, oh, you're so smart. You're so switched on. You were so clued in. I go, no, no. I hadn't got a clue. I had no idea. I knew nothing. I had no idea what was coming down the tracks. I just knew I was going to walk down a road that wasn't right for me. So from that day forward, I've trusted my intuition enormously because my intuition saved me 6 million euro and saved me from being broke. So that and I was only beginning to really connect with who I was at that stage as well. Mm-hmm. But when you, but when you get that level of connection, and you can, and it's not just a business decision now. It's what's right, what, what's right for me. And it, it guides you so much more. So it, it, it's incredibly valuable, knowing yourself and trusting and trusting yourself and asking, what do I really want? What do I really need? Yeah, my life would be very different if it wasn't for that moment of intuition. That's all I can put it down to. Super powerful, Paul. I, I love that, man. It, and it's like the the tenet of know thyself, like expressed so vividly in that story because you could have easily went the ego-driven conformist path, which is endless growth for whatever reason. It doesn't matter what you want. And it would have potentially been financial ruin for you and your family and your health and the balance and everything you created. But like that, that's why defining our success, understanding who we are, what matters to us, the values that we have, the life that we want to live, all that matters so much because if we're not, if we don't have the answers to those questions, we're living a life made by someone else. And it's very likely we're going to be unhappy in a life made by someone else. It's just, it's a, I don't see how you can possibly I don't see how you can possibly be happy if someone else is designing your life. It's extremely it's really, you can only be if you're designing yourself. <clears throat> the massive advantage you have, Brandon, starting your entrepreneurial journey is you know that. <laughs> I I went through a lot of my entrepreneurial journey not knowing that, and I had to learn it. So I'm not saying you won't make mistakes. We all make mistakes. But I can line up most of the big mistakes I made because I made decisions based on what, not knowing myself and based decisions on what the world, other people thought what I should do. I can line up a a number of big big per financial decisions. 
how do I make those decisions from the place of who am I? What do I want? What, what do I really value? What's important for me? I would have made some very different decisions. Mm -hmm. I, I was lucky that some people don't survive those stupid decisions. I was lucky to survive those. And I made some costly decisions. I, I made some decisions that I had to write some big checks to get out of. Mm -hmm. but they, were, they just turned out to be um, very valuable lessons. They weren't fatal lessons and you can make fatal mistakes as well. Um, so you're very, very lucky to be starting entrepreneurial journey going, I need to, I, I need to be an entrepreneur. I need to understand the business because business has rules just like science and that, mm -hmm. that, don't, that don't care about what I feel, but I, <laughs> they, but, I, but I need to start with a place of what's right for me. Am I walking on the right road? Because if you're walking on the right road for you and you take on board, well, I need to learn how to run a business properly because um, I wouldn't get into a car without learning how to drive a car properly. But so, so I'm, I'm not excusing those skills. They're very essential, but step back a bit. Before you get into that vehicle, you call your business. Am I comfortable? Is this where I want to be? Yeah, this is right for me. This is, I, I, and you, you confirmed that to me and you said, have I got to be the, the role of my sneeze for the next couple of years? I'd love to do that. So you're sitting in the vehicle that you're right. And now you go, okay, so now I got to make sure that I understand where all the levers are. <laughs> but at least, at least you're in the right, at least you're in the driving seat and you're in the right place. You know, you're, you're in the right, you're in the right vehicle, which is, which I think is really important. And Paul, that's a good, I think that's a good, that's a cool metaphor to think about or, or analogy or whatever you call it. I always mix those up metaphors and analogies. Like a lot of us are in the wrong vehicles and we're going to, to, to improper destinations for who we truly are and what we want. Like we've got the GPS, we're in the wrong vehicle and we've got the GPS set to a destination that we actually don't want to go to. And the problem with that is too, is, and this is something I learned earlier as well, is when we do that, we're actually we're going to subconsciously sabotage those things too. Because if there's any part of us that knows we don't actually want that, there's going to be all kinds of things that come up in our life that are going to undermine that journey, right? There, our car is going to break down. We're in the wrong vehicle. We're going to have problems with our vehicle. And the destination, there's going to be all kinds of problems along the way. I made those mistakes so much when I was in, in my early 20s and 30s because I was taking someone else's vision and living to a conformist version of what I thought success was. And it's only been as I've gotten older that I've been able to define more specifically what I want, why I want the things that I do. And it's the emotional components to it. It's the, it's the, it's kind of the heart centered stuff. Like I think the whole passion, we've talked a little bit about this too. And I think we'll, we'll save that for another, another chat like the, the discussion around passion and being passionate about what you're doing. Um, but getting into the, the heart centered reasons of why we're doing things does matter though, because there are endless ways to create wealth in the world that we live in. Truly Paul, like we live in, in such wonder it's the best of times and the worst of times yeah. with technology, but also all the political madness and everything that's happening mm -hmm. in the world. But if, if we can clarify a vision and we can know who we are and understand what we want, there's never been a better time to be alive to create a life of your own making. It's insane. But it's, it's, but it's, but there's also endless ways and traps to fall into and get lost on along the way. If we don't have that knowledge of self and if we don't take the time to reflect on who we are and the values that we have and the things that matter to us, because the there's so much to distract from is that 
I call it the inner voice. It's one voice. It's the most important voice and the strongest voice you're ever going to listen to. But you're surrounded. I described like standing in the middle of a stadium and you're standing in the middle of a stadium with 60,000 people shouting something at you and you're standing in the center and you're trying to connect with your own, with your own voice. And for most people, all they hear are the voices of the stadium. That's all they, they hear. And that voice, that's completely drowned out their, their own voice. Once you connect with yourself, you stop hearing all those voices. You become so aware and connected with what's going on inside that you can stand in the stadium and it doesn't matter. But, and I've been doing this for a very long time now, for decades, but you still have to remember you're standing in that stadium. There's always influence. There's other people. It's always there. So I regularly, I mean, apart from daily meditation and all this sort of stuff, I regularly sit down and I have my values written down, consistently review those values and mm. go, this what really matters to me. Yes, it is. So I, I continually, and then sometimes I'll start from scratch and go, I got a clean sheet here. What are my values? What's important to me? And it's always the same thing. So, but, so what I'm doing is I'm continually, even though I have been at this for a very, very long time, and you might say very good at it because I'm practiced at it, mm -hmm. I still go, but I'm still standing in the stadium because when I turn on my TV, my, my iPhone, radio, the influence of the world or other people's opinions is there all the time. And I've got to connect to my values because when I connect to that, it's not that I don't want to hear. We can have a great conversation. I can listen to your opinion. I can learn a lot from that. But it's always got to be reflected back to, so I'm not shutting that out, but it's always got to reflect it back to what's, what's right, what's right for me. And, um, and most people, most people I meet in the world are disconnected from that. And that's the most important thing to reconnect to that center, that self and make all decisions from that place. Mm -hmm. When you make decisions from that place. Your odds of making good decisions, business, personal, whatever, you're just radically, you're, you're radically different odds of making good decisions. Oh, man, that's awesome, dude. That's so, so on point, Paul. And I think for me, that's a, I think that's a great ending point to our, our first conversation here, because I think the, the, the loud message is you got to connect to who you are. You got to know who you are. You got to know what you want because there's endless noise in the world and it's so easy to fall into traps and get distracted by all that noise and listen to all those voices around us. And like you said, I think the stadium analogy is great because all those people in that stadium, it's the news, it's your parents, it's your education systems. It's all that noise consistently that we're having to filter through. But like you said earlier, as you do the work, that stuff becomes less and less loud and it's that inner voice that inner voice is still, it's calm, it's always quiet, and it always will be. It's a whisper. And we only get to that voice when we silence and settle and sit with that and, and move into it. It never yells. The world is loud. That inner voice is quiet and still. And that's the work. It's, it's much easier to be in the loudness. I agree. And I think what's really interesting is because effectively this conversation is about, is about business. It's about, it's about two sides of it. It's about the entrepreneurial journey having been in that business for 30 years and the, and, and starting out creating a new business, which is what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So, so it's interesting that we started off on this first chat, which, which is all about business. And we've mostly talked about connecting 
to yourself. And yet it seems to me that we will spend a huge amount of time talking about that because if you don't get that right, nothing else will work. So if you skip beyond this and go, no, no, cut that new age crap. Tell me how I make money. It's like, no, dude, that won't work. That won't, we don't, don't work. You, 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 you either make it and lose it or you'll make it and you'll be miserable. Now, I've done both of those, by the way. I've made it, lost it. I've made stupid mistakes. I've made it and been miserable. So they aren't good, <laughs> they aren't good places. That So I think this is the perfect place for us to start and maybe finish this conversation because it is a fundamental basis, I would say, of everything we're going, everything we're going to talk about. Doesn't matter what we talk about in business. If you're not starting from the right, doesn't matter the grade the house you build. If you build in the wrong location, it's the wrong place. And we, we you got to start with you got to start with the right location, and that's the right location is yourself, and that's where we're starting. Exactly. I think that's the that's it, Paul. The destination begins and ends within ourselves. That's <laughs> that's that's really the crux of it, man. Well, look, I, I'm super excited about the journey. No clue where we're going and where this is going to go and, and what's going to come of it. Uh, hopefully a lot of value for people that are perhaps because Paul, I think the great thing is, is there's a lot of people out there that may listen that are in your state and are miserable. They've ran a successful yeah. business for 20 yeah. years and they're miserable and they can't figure out why. Well, maybe that self-knowledge piece is what they've been missing or yeah. someone early in their journey in their early twenties or just graduating school or whatever. And they want to be an entrepreneur but they're not clear on who they are and what they want and what matters to them. Like res recognizing that without defining our own success, we're not going to be successful. We, we can't. No, and the thing That's is, true. I mean, we can evolve into all those conversations into the steps that you will be talking about, which is the starting of the business. And we can evolve into the conversation of someone who's in, so yeah, I'm 20 years in the business. I'm miserable. It runs me. What practically do I do? We can have all those conversations. So they're really different conversations. But if you want to fix those problems without connecting with yourself first, then you've missed the you, you've missed the point entirely. Um, you've certainly missed the point of what's of, of what I think is important from my point uh, of this this side of the journey, and from your point of starting out in the journey. I think it that that center that center point of of what's important to me. What am I doing? It's just key to everything it's central essential to everything i love it paul well well said brother until next time buddy cool thank you for listening to the inner entrepreneur if you found value in our content please consider liking sharing and subscribing new episodes will be released every thursday at 5 a.m eastern standard time we appreciate your attention and take care